Can't get enough of Cthulhu and Cairo? Join our Patreon for as low as $3 per month to access special features and bonus content. You can find us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening, and welcome back to A Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. I'm Raz, I'm your keeper for this evening, and I am joined by our intrepid adventurers who find themselves now in Venice a few moments after a vicious attack by some... Cthulian-esque type monster. So first, before we get started, allow my players to introduce themselves real quick. We'll go around the table. First, we have Joel playing Sid. How's Sid right now, Joel? What are we, uh, what's his headspace like? You know, Sid's a little, um, he's a little concerned. There was a little, uh, Sid's an Englishman, so there was a lot of, uh, personal information that we shared last time that made him incredibly uncomfortable. He distanced himself from that and tried to hope that it would just go away. Uh, he's a little bit more concerned now about the green thing that appeared in front of them and uh, tried to eat everybody and the fact that Faye tried to sacrifice herself to it. But uh, all is well. Faye is now safe. And uh, we're ready to head uh, and see what else Venice has in store for us. And speaking of the monster's appetizer, um, just before it started to get down to some real serious eating, we have our lovely Faye Dawson, played by Mel. How's Faye right now, Mel? Faye has decided to turn a new leaf, a um, non-self-sacrificial leaf. You know, she had a she had a coming to Jesus moment when she was uh, in the mouth or the side or whatever the hell of that uh, green slimy creature, thinking, how did I get here? How, what decisions have I made that have led me up to this moment? And she is going to be doing a lot of recovering and a lot of thinking and avoiding getting slapped by Catherine this episode. Well, as far as how did I get here, I would say Nike, Puma, <laughs> Adidas, <laughs> something along those lines. Um, you did a lot of, you know, the heel of your foot hit your ass as you bolted forward trying to get to the to the Shagoth Lord. But uh, that's okay. That's been done, and the team was able to dispatch it. So next to uh, Faye is Catherine Ross. Catherine is played by Lauren, and... Uh, She's got some thoughts about what just happened as well. What are those, uh, Lauren? My thoughts are that Faye can be kind of dumb. But lovable. And absolutely. Like a puppy. It's a fair, you know? uh, it's a fair statement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes you got to keep the puppy on a leash so it doesn't run into the road. Mm -hmm. Towards the angry Shoggoth Lord. Right. You know? So Team Mom is going to have some choice words once we, you know, make sure that her skin doesn't melt off and that the bite wounds don't fester, you know? Mm. All that type of thing. So team mom's a bit cranky. I'm here looking for my fiance. I'm worried every time I cross a bridge. Come on. Right. Cut me some slack. So Catherine is a bit cranky. A bit. Wow. Just, That's just really, a bit. Right. That's like a, <laughs> you know, the difference between a level four and level five hurricane. So it's really... I'm not sure when you're in the eye of it how much that matters, but that's okay. Um, next we have Aveline Hammond, and Aveline is played by Kayla. And Aveline did some uh, some rooting and tooting and shooting last time uh, to help save Faye and the others. How is uh, how's her headspace right now? Well, after losing nine sanity just looking at the gelatinous cube monster, uh, she's not very happy. All she's ever wanted to do was put bad guys away in jail and 
do some vigilante-style justice, and now she feels like she's babysitting a grown-ass woman, even though she's told her many times your life is in danger and someone's trying to kill you. So this recent escapade of sacrifice yourself for the better of the group, she not happy. Faye is on an, uh, <laughs> it's a, um, kick Faye while she's struggling you in front of the shack You are trying deck. to kill yourself, and Aveline cannot stop the suicidal tendencies for much longer. Anybody else want to take a shot at me? Come on, just kick me while I'm down. All right, well, let's find out. Scott, what's, uh, what's going on in John's head? Well, you know, John's been, um, you know, with some of the uh, the more supernatural, mystical uh, encounters and information that's been coming the way of the team. Uh, John has been spending some time researching, reading, practicing, dabbling, and um, uh, he's now confronted with a with a haunting thought that you know maybe he has uh, accidentally crossed some sort of line and perhaps maybe caused this to happen. So he's not uh, he's not hard on Faye at all. He's hard on himself right now. But he hasn't revealed this to everybody else. It's kind of an internal brooding, shall we say. Right. It's that I really just need to be alone type moment. <laughs> could you huh. Could you all just... We need any more reasons to uh, find him charming. That perhaps I summoned a demon and almost killed all of my friends moment. <laughs> right. That chestnut. <laughs> so we'll pick up right where uh, you were bolting from the scene. Sid scooped Faye up in his strong, powerful, mustachioed arms, and did his best six-foot-four gait down the cobblestone streets and the uh, trying to get back to your uh, domicile that you've been renting uh, for the last several days. Hot on his heels was Catherine, sort of ch- chirping all the way. Why would you do that? I can't believe you would. <laughs> She's just running through the streets. Aveline is helping clear the path by any poor Italian or tourist that steps in front of them as they're going, sees the dark, you know, tight circle of a 45 aimed at them, and they just duck, jump, and move left and right because everyone's in a hurry. She's not going to threaten or point at anybody to shoot, but she's definitely giving them just the, get out of the way! And Schooly is bringing up the rear at the moment, definitely thinking these these dark thoughts that perhaps somehow this he's put a marker on them or made it more easy for this type of a situation to occur. It's about a nine to ten minute run because you do take some side streets trying to lose anybody that may have been following you. Faye's damage is superficial to her legs. There's some acid burns, things that unfortunately probably cannot be easily repaired in the technology of 1931. She's going to have some scarring from that. And the rest of the damage where the bite happened on her hip didn't go through deep enough to cause more than just puncture wounds of about a quarter of an inch, thank, you know, thank God. So you make your way back to the to the residence, to the hotel rather, you jump up and, you know, through the stairs and um, get into your rooms and the whole group gathers. You uh, put Faye down on the on the settee or the couch or the bed, whatever you decide. And Catherine immediately starts going to work. I'm going to need cold water. I'm going to need towels. I'm, she's digging in her medical bag. She's frantic. It, frantic in like a, in like a controlled way, if that uh-huh. makes any sense. Right. You know, do whatever I say, please. Thank yeah, you. She's Move moving on. at pace, but she knows what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So Faye, what are you wearing? Faye usually wears light colored blouse, usually a pair of slacks. She doesn't Pants? typically wear dresses. Yes. 
Okay. So I'm now concerned with removing the fabric mm -hmm. from your acid wounds. So she just starts like cutting and ripping at your pants and your like your socks, your shoes, get those off. They're probably ruined anyway that's from being hurt. inside the acid monster. Yeah, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Okay. So that's all going on. After about, you know, 20 minutes, the group has been together. Drinks are, are passed out. Probably Sid's over there handling the, uh, Sid or John or is handling the wet bar, pouring scotches and whatever else goes well with that. Bring over some, you know, some of the spirits for Faye. She downs it. She starts drinking just because the pain as Catherine is trying to get the fabric that's been burned through and you know in the burn went into the skin she's trying to clear that away using a lot of cool water and getting the fabrics out and cleaning the wounds so this is about 35 40 minutes there is some crying and screaming from the bedroom as uh it's and it's not from Catherine's rebukes it's literally the pain of the pants coming off of her wounds when there's a knock at the door of so, so are we all in the, in the same room kind of watching Faye get yeah. treated, you know, I, showing I would, our concern? Uh, you know, John would be, he, he wouldn't want to leave the room where Faye's being treated. Of course. Um, yeah. He's just sort of leaning against the wall, sitting against the wall, his, his head's in his hands. He's not really talking. You know, it's, I would think everybody is together for this part. I mean, you're, you're friends. Yeah. You're worried about each other. That makes perfect so we're sense. All, so we're all together in this room when we hear the door knocking. Uh-huh. So that's the exterior door to the hall? Yes. Okay. And it's very soft. Um, it's it's somewhat muted. But you do hear a... I immediately go to the door Wait. with a gun in my one hand. And I'm like, who is it? I'm the one that's ready yep. to go. Like, I'm you about hear, to shoot hello? somebody. Do we hear a voice come through the door? Yeah, you yeah, hear a softly hello. hello and Mr. Schooley. I go, were you expecting somebody? And, and John kind of shakes his head. He's seems like he's a, in a bog i i know um bucati um he's he's putting out feelers but no he, he didn't say anything he addressed you by name we didn't register this room in those names how does who's on the other side of that door the only person i know that knows who i am and that i'm in venice is bucati i uh, kind of mo Aveline motions to john to come closer and like he should be the one to answer the door if it's a person who knows him, and if something goes wrong, she'll be behind the door frame, like ready to shoot him in the head. John Basically. tries to sort of shake the cobwebs clear a little bit, and stands up, tries to put on a good face, and okay. uh, follows Apple into the door. Do you you crack the door open a little bit where the you know there's a chain or some other? No, you don't. I don't okay. open the door. I I call through the door. I say, "Who is it?" Mister Schooley. My name is Bellasio. I have been contacted by Giuseppe to tell you that a meeting has been arranged. Uno momento, senor. Is there a common room? Because we're like in a bedroom area for the for the women, right? Yeah. Is there a common room? Uh, it's a hotel, so probably... Like, oh, I thought we had like a suite of rooms. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of you do. So we'll say the girls have that, the boys have the adjoining room with its own entrance and the okay. you know, side. Yeah, so this is the bigger of the two, That's that because there's three of them, two of you. That works. I'd like to see if I can bring him into a common room where everybody else is in another room and he doesn't even see it know, or know that they're there. You know, there's no faces that he can remember. You know, I kind of quietly mention this to the others and ask Abilene if she would accompany me. 
uh, Abilene def- nods her head. She's still got her gun out, and she's reloaded it at this point. Keep that out of sight, would you please? If we are making it look like there's only the two of you in the room, everybody grab, like, shoes, coats, bags. If that would all probably be in your bedrooms, right? I'm just... Uh, you think- all ran I'm in just- probably into... Well, yeah, I'm just wanted. thinking of everything. I think that's probably all in this room, unless you tell me you went back to your own. I mean, with Faye being in, in the stress yeah. she's in. Yeah. And we're, we're going to, like, a sitting area of the suite, so, right, so not the bedroom. No, 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 room. right. But, well, point well made. We scan the room. Yeah, see you pick they, up you know, the drinks. The... There's, there's five glasses on a table, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> plus a whole bowl so just, of fruit eaten. You know, what... It's just the two of us. I'm a just, lush. What can I say? Right. Just the obvious stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's just you and Aveline sit. Are you okay? You're going to back out into the into the bedroom where Faye and Catherine yeah, that, are. Yeah, that's fine. I I can back out into the uh, in the living room unless they want me there. I can I can stay with um, Catherine, do anything I can to help her. Yep. Um, if she needs an assistant and helping Faye, either to you know with something or just to hold her down or whatever. No, no, she, that's good. And Catherine, you're going to have to sort of slow the process a little bit while they're talking. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she may yelp out. Okay, so that all gets done. 30, 40 seconds. Everyone kind of moves with some, you know, definite speed. And they're out. And uh, so I approach the door of the, the sitting area, the suite area, or what have you, and open the door and, you know, just sort of slightly opening and taking a look and see, you know, I'm not opening it all the way. I'm, I'm opening it and saying, you know, taking a look at him first. Okay. So there's a man uh, standing there. He's very Italian looking. About five six, well built. Even in a suit, you can tell he's got you know he's heft. Prob- late thirties, uh, hat down a little bit, just above the eyes. Looks at you and says, "Mr. Schooley." And I respond and say, "Mr. Bucati sent you." See, he says you are in need of a book. And I I nod to him and I open the door and gesture for him to come in. He looks around. He's a little leery. He steps in scans the room very cautiously. I motion to Abilene and I just say, this is my friend. He nods, looks her over. He cautiously enters. Abilene, why don't you you and John both give me a spot hidden? That's a 68 on the die. That's a pass for me. Okay. 11 for me, that is a critical success. Okay, so John, you catch him eyeing her hip and her where her jacket rests against the holster. Aveline, you, with a critical success, see him eyeing your hip and sees you eyeing his. Everybody is packing, <laughs> including him, and he kind of notices, and you see him give a smile. I respond and say, I think we all understand each other. Oh, see. See. And he steps in. He doesn't say anything else. He just ex- reaches in slowly towards his back pocket, pulls out an envelope. And on the envelope, it is a simple, plain white envelope with a red seal on the back. And I will show you what that seal looks like. So it's like an illuminated letter of some sort. Illuminated letter of a G. And to you, he says, my employer, Arturo, has invited you to discuss this item that you need at his palazzo outside of the hills north of Venice. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you delivering this message are all the details in the envelope the address and he will expect you either tonight or if you are unavailable you are to let me know and he will attempt to make and free up his schedule for tomorrow night at 10 p.m what time of day is it right now 
don't know, you're on your way back after dinner, probably about eight. Yeah, it's pretty late and it's been a a bad day. Yeah. So yeah. So I respond I'm sorry to say I don't I don't think tonight is going to be good. Hmm. Can we make plans for tomorrow afternoon? I have been instructed to say so. He will expect you at the Palazzo di Giovanni at ten PM. Ten PM will be there. Very good. Please present this with my master's seal at the gates, and they will bring you up to the house. Other members of my party may accompany me. Is that all right? See, my master is very, very gracious. He will invite everyone to the house. Appreciate the invitation and and the message. Hmm. And he looks at you, Aveline, kind of checks off a nod and comfortably turns his back, walks to the door, opens it, shuts it quietly behind him. Interesting fellow. Out stocky and five six. Uh huh. I don't think I'd like to meet him in a back alley. Because he's a professional killer. <laughs> Catherine? Upon hearing the exterior door close mm-hmm. and the third voice leave, she pops her head open. We good? Did we make any enemies? Not today. Okay. Can I keep working? Please do. Okay. Bye! Ah! <laughs> 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 Time to slap some more turn off. <laughs> yeah. You just hear. Give it a yank, Sid. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) At this point, Aveline would just kind of get as close as she can with John to see the letter, and it's like, who are you talking to? to I let her open her from the desk as to not damage the seal. Okay. And uh, carefully open it and uh, kind of pull the message out and unfold it so both Aveline and I can see it. All right. It's just uh, directions to the Palazzo di Giovanni. You're invited by a man by the name of Arturo. And it says, you know, for a meeting, now you know it's for tomorrow night. It doesn't actually have the, t- the, the date, but either night it would have been at 10 p.m. So it just says at 10 p.m., present this at the front gate. Ba, 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 ba. I look forward to meeting you. Signed, A.G. Must be a night out. All right. I carefully fold the letter back in and stow Looking away the, the envelope. So the rest of the afternoon and evening, well, I'm sorry, the rest of the evening, it depends what everybody wants to do. By about, in another 40 minutes, Catherine is as far as she can go. Faye, uh, Catherine, go ahead and give me a roll on a D6. Absolutely. All right, so Faye, you get two hit points back, and then Catherine, go ahead and roll that one more time as a D3. Two again. So Catherine, you get one point back after treating your own wound. Faye, you're able to get up. Your movement is going to be halved. For the next two days, you're ambulatory, but running would probably really hurt like hell. Probably start bleeding again from some of the puncture wounds, but the way that they're, she had to sew one or two of the, like the core teeth at the, at your hip bone where they hit. Um, those had to be sutured, you know, real quick. Uh, they could be pulled open if you tried to run, but for the most part, you, I mean, you can walk, but your legs hurt. They're, you're tired, but you know, you're fine. You're, I mean, you're able to move. What do I need to restock up on? Right now, nothing. You did that just nothing? before getting to Venice. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. For Thank now, you. the bag, it's a bag of holding for now. We'll just call it that. Love that. <laughs> the bag of iodine. I can, I can say after this gentleman would have left that John would have, uh, at his first opportunity, left a message at the club to speak with Mr. Bucati to confirm this gentleman and all of his information. Ooh, okay. So, all right, yeah, Bucati... Give me a uh, give me a luck roll, Scott, because it is it's later in the evening. But you can leave that message for the morning if you're okay with that. If, if Bucati, I I am figuring he's he's out or yep. 
you know, done for the day. So I am certainly just leaving the message well, for him to contact me in the morning. Give me a roll. And let me know if you make a hard success. That's a 45 on the die. So for my luck, that is, uh, yeah, that wouldn't be a regular hard success. Okay. Yeah. So he's home. You leave the message. No worries there. Uh, Sid, what are you planning on doing for the rest of the evening? What's in, what's going on in your head? not really sure to tell you the truth i mean we've healed her she's got a rest i mean i guess i could always go out and and try to continue the search for matthew one thing that could be done to help we we're all gonna talk aren't we i i'm I'm assuming i'm just making sure nobody had something that they wanted to do while you were calling something you know of urgency so if we're all gonna talk let's let's get that started but also uh, everybody give me a especially let's do it this way John's preoccupied with something and Faye is not feeling a hundred percent so Catherine Sid and Aveline please give me idea rolls that's a regular success for me regular for success Aveline, regular, regular success Catherine one of the more intelligent members of the group with an with an Intel of 80 of 80 just rolled an 85. Okay, so you are preoccupied as well. Aveline and Sid, just before the conversations start, you know, coming about, and Faye's just wandering into the living room to sit down. It comes to you, Aveline and, and, and Sid. You, you're like, you know, if we're going to help Catherine close this out, um, if we're going to try to find this guy, maybe we should be employing a local. Maybe we should... Maybe that thing found us because... You know, we've been questioning and talking around town and showing pictures and not putting together the timeline 100%. You're just starting to think out loud. And it comes to your head that maybe a private investigator might be somebody the team, especially with your money and your resources and stuff, might be able to use to help. So now everybody's gathered together and uh, the situation can unfold itself and we can sort of discuss what happened. Who wants to start? What the hell was that? You're the start there. You're the one who supposedly study. You're the one who'd be most prepared to tell us about this thing. So what was that thing? Don't don't uh, ask I, us. How would we know? I've I've never heard heard of seen. I am utterly unfamiliar with a creature that transforms from the visage of a man in such a horrific fashion um i I, frankly you shared some things from your dreams catherine and and they 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 sparked ideas about things things that don't even really coalesce into into legitimate thought you know just just things that don't make sense this creature reminds me of that the giant leopard loincloth wearing tentacle face guy yeah oh there's somebody who wears a loincloth with leopard spots in his tentacles for a face? The huh? dreams that I... Yes. The visions with the AWOS. Well, that. tentacles. Tentacles. <laughs> yeah. Those are always fun. Look, um, that's not connected. It was after Faye. That, how can that be... What do I know anymore? This is just... We, we are all interconnected. At this point, our cast... Our, our lot is cast. So... I I see I see Faye and you and Sid and me and Aveline as almost as a single unit um, as we're working through this. You know that that's what seems to make sense to me. I don't know if it was seeking Faye specifically or if Faye was just the sort of opportunistic information that it was fed. Sid. Well, 
it, it occurs to me that uh, when and Kate and I were in the institution, that uh, that that women that bloke was let go by a man who was pretending to be her doctor, who also was this Caravaggio character. This guy tonight said he you're, was. You're saying you think that doctor was Caravaggio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we said that, didn't we, Kate? Didn't we tell him that? Yeah, I thought that was common knowledge. Car- he said his name was Caravaggio. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Caravaggio at the London Sanitarium let Rose Edith Kelly and that John guy, the crazy one with the Anubis head, let him loose. Right. So now this same bloke is showing up uh, after Faye here. I mean, clearly we haven't done a great job of, of laying low. And um, he knows she's here, likely knows we're all here. And he sent this, this uh, I don't know, jelly man after her. So I would expect that there's going to be a lot more of this same strangeness uh, afoot. I have to, I have to admit, I've been studying tomes and texts, really anything I could get my hands on, reading at times, practicing certain incantations that just anything I can to try to understand You've some been what? strange forces that we're encountering. I, I. I have a knowledge of these things already, and I just feel like we need to have a better understanding of of the this some of these things we've seen. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I, I'm concerned that something I did is what brought this on us. I, I need to. I, I need to spend some time by myself. I need to. I need to go through and retrace my steps. I yeah, need yeah. to see. But I think this. you're a little freaked out, and that's all right. You know, hold tight there. What do you got, Faye? Hearing what Schooly just said, she kind of just reaches out and she just takes Schooly by the hand and she just says, like, I don't think this is your fault. This wasn't you. You've been doing research. There are bigger forces at work here. I don't think that you accidentally did this. Who knows that I'm in Venice, who might think that I'm asking too many questions. I think it's just very odd that after I went to go see Lucinda myself, And she found out about, she told me about my sister, about her past with my father. And then she knew that I was going to go speak to him. I don't know if she sent that after me to keep me quiet. If it's something, part of something bigger that we don't know about yet. I don't think I summoned that monstrosity, no. But, you know, when you, um, when you perhaps start meddling in things you don't fully grasp. Maybe you can pierce the veil. You can cause something like a like a pebble in a pond, and the ripples of that effect can interact with other things. I, I don't know. Pebbles in ponds and shit. Maybe we shouldn't be doing that then. How Am about I- the idea of these people that we met, that we know nothing about? Maybe one of them, maybe more, was working for this Caravaggio, and we just didn't know. I mean, that's a direct link. You don't know the woman. You don't know the, the, the girl who's supposedly your sister. Let's look for human reasons before we go, you know, off the deep end. I mean, John, sympathies aside, and I, and I do feel for you, mate, but it's not your fault. You didn't do this. It's strange-ass stuff, for sure. Why? Bloody hell, men turning into green jelly and stuff, but come on. And we got to figure this out. You know, the answer is in man, not in craziness. Sid, you're 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 amazing. I love you, brother. 
you're you're not wrong you mentioned getting like a private eye or something or you know i mean maybe we have been a bit cavalier you know we 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 put ourselves out there maybe a little too much you know it it behooves us to to look at this thing on multiple fronts though you know i i still i still want to uh i still want to go back to my books i need to i need to spend some time reading i need to i need to center myself uh, sid pours him another uh, another drink and walks it over and says, why don't you use this, uh, uh, Bob, this, this will steal you. It's whiskey? Sure. Yeah. John gets it, and, and he, uh, you see he kind of, he, he takes it down in larger gulps than you've seen him drink in the past. You, you, you all, frankly, if you recall, you don't really recall seeing John drink too much. So it seems actually out of abnormal for him to, uh, to take the drink and sort of greedily, greedily swallow it down. Aveline at this point has been kind of having her arms crossed. She looks very grave because, again, she's very shaken up over seeing something like that and a creature that tried to eat her dear, dear friend. And she finally interjects like, yes, we have been much too cavalier as the word Professor Schooley uses over there. This is no longer a we can walk about town like merry men. We have to be much more quiet. And discreet, like we were trying to do in Germany, but we failed to do so. And now we've got creatures out of hell trying to kill us. Catherine, I know you want to find this husband of yours, but we cannot do it the way we've been doing it. There is something I can do to help the process along, but it's going to require you to be patient and for you to get out of the whole picture for a while. No. The option is I send one of my men, completely unknown, but he knows Venice. He lives here, and he will take care of it. But you cannot be a part of it until we find him. You're... You cannot be a part of the search. You cannot. We cannot have you, Faye, or anybody else looking for him and asking questions. We need to stay incognito as best we can. You are not trained in espionage. You can. It's not easy to disguise yourself in a city. I don't think he, I don't think you know what you're asking me to do. I don't think you understand what you're asking of me. Every night, for years, every single night, going to sleep, dreaming of someone dying when, when they're on your table. Someone, someone that you love. Broken bodies left and right. I've, I've lost friends. This is the only piece of a life that I could have led, and instead I'm here patching up young women after they've been absorbed, half-eaten by jelly men. What the... Who started that saying anyway? This, you have no idea what you are asking of me to know of his whereabouts. He was spotted two weeks ago. I'm in the same city. He is alive. And you're asking me to stop. I'm asking you to let me, your friend, handle it. I will not fail you. I will find him. But you are too evolved in this, and you will fight for it tooth and nail. You will beat bloody anyone who stands in your way, and it's going to cause trouble. We have too much trouble on our hands already between whatever is trying to kill Faye, apparently, and now we're looking for another item that is being sought after by villainous black magic Philistines. I don't even know what the proper word would be for this. But Catherine, you are too known, and it may be in your best interest, if you want to find him, 
to let me handle it. He may, and I do not say this to hurt you, if he's alive and he's the person he is, if he sees you, he may have an adverse reaction. If I find him privately and arrange a meeting, you can meet him without any repercussions or anything hurting you. I do not want you hurt. I just want to find him without any of our party being in get, getting caught in the crossfire, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of Catherine, sense. I'll, I'll just say, this is what Aveline does. If Aveline jumped in and said, let me patch Faye up, you would think she's a crazy person. Well, you're jumping in and saying, let me go be a spy on the streets. This is what Aveline does. She walks over to the bar, and like Schooly, you've really never seen Catherine drink. She, hand-shaking, pours a drink, spills some wine on the, on the bar, downs about half the glass, turns to the group. He is more important to me than any of you, and I'm sorry if that hurts. None of you have families in this way. Hell, you know, actually, I don't know if you do. We barely know one another. You are asking. She is shaking. I do not know if I trust anyone with this if I am not involved. What? She looks Aveline dead in the face. What happens if he's a broken man mentally? What if he doesn't want to see me? Would you hide that from me to protect me? I don't. She literally can't talk. Uh, Sid um, walks up to her, takes a hold of her hand that's holding the wine, looks her dead and steady in the eye, and says, I will not lie to you, Kate. If we find this man, regardless of what we find, we will tell you the truth. There is much we do not know about each other. It's true. But there's much we've been together. We're basically ships in a storm, love. We're not going to let you down. We're not going to hold it back. We're just trying to protect you. That's all. And And I hear you, and... And if he is well and he's found another woman, if he's anything, if he doesn't want to see me, don't protect me. Tell me. If, if you are doing this, you can't hide anything from me. Understood. Aveline, at this point, she know she can tell. She, Catherine doesn't want to be touched by her or anything. She just kind of approaches her. And as much as she can do it, she kind of gives a bow of her head and set, and puts her hand on her heart says, I swear, Catherine, I don't sugarcoat things, and when I find him, because I will, you will be the first to know. This information, anything I find out, will go directly to you and no one else. I won't protect you and I will try my best to ensure that you see him and you get the answers that you have waited for for so long. I know you don't think you can trust me, but in this instance, this is where I can help. I cannot stop demons or visions or anything like that. This is what I do. Let me help you. She nods and it's an incredibly, it's almost a whisper. Is it even, is it even words? But you can tell that she says thank you. With that, Aveline immediately kind of stops looking so dead in the eyes. And, she go, and it's kind of like her focus comes back to her, her posture fixes up. She says, I'll make inquiries immediately. She starts thinking about what she's going to do and takes a step away from the group and starts organizing her thoughts and how she's going to get this mission done. Yeah, so the room goes quiet for a moment. There's been a lot of outpouring, a lot of things that have happened. 
Catherine, you you feel well. We know how you feel. You've clearly stated that you need to know anything that they find out. But John's words are ringing. John and Sid and and even Faye has you know been there watching. They're all nodding in agreement when Aveline says and when John sort of reiterates in in that moment. Everybody has their skill set. You have a researcher. You have an archaeologist for you know for the the digs and the these items of power that you're going to have to get either out of the earth or out of places. You have a mechanic who, you know, is going to be there to keep everything moving and running and keep the group safe. And you have a bounty hunter-esque sort of friend who has, for the last seven years, honed her skills on finding people that don't like being found. You are going to get far further, much quicker and safer relying on her skill set than simply knocking on every restaurant door, showing a picture and asking for help. So I, you know, your practical side is is starting to hear the logic, and we'll see what what Aveline comes up with, you know, as as the story progresses. So drinks are being made, drinks are being had. I'm not going to make everybody roll for inebriation. You let me know how how t- trounced your characters are. A couple of you sound like you're you're going sheets in though. Uh, Faye's already there because you've been pouring whiskey down her gullet to keep her legs from hurting so much. Aveline is why not... she's been so quiet. Yeah, that's why she's she's just sitting there. <laughs> the and... room's spinning a little bit. Yeah, she's got a a nice throw pillow, just kind of clutched to her chest, keeping her warm. Catherine's had a little bit more than she normally has. We know John's been drinking. Is there any other conversations or revelations that the team feels they need to get out on the table this evening uh, before everybody sort of settles in and gets ready for bed? Faye just kind of. No, she's like sitting there and she just, as everybody's like enjoying themselves and having like these heart to heart moments, she just kind of goes, I'm really sorry about what I did tonight. It was a stupid, stupid idea that I just went with and I wasn't thinking and I almost died and I could have gotten you guys hurt, but know that I did it because I thought it was the only way to save you all thought it wanted me. I thought it was going to take me and leave and keep the rest of you out of harm's way. Obviously not, so... You meant so, based off of what you've just shared, Faye, I want to say something, because I think that a lot of people think of old Seed as just Mr. Fix-It, and, you know, that I am, an engineer and all that, but, you know, we all have things that brought us here, and, and Kate made a good point when she says we don't really know each other very well. So I want to tell you how I came to know about some of these crazier things, you know, being a simple numpty from a city. But when I was over at war, one night digging trenches, because what I used to do in another life was crawl in holes under no man's land and deliver bombs to blow up German trenches. What I was doing that with my mates one night, this thing appeared down the line from us, this dark shape, this thing that I've come to know as a wraith. And he came at us and there was nowhere for us to go. And he came through me, through my mate, my mate John, different John, of course, went on down, killed two other fellows, made his way back to our trench. When we ran back to the trench that night and we found him, we came out, dragged our mates that was dead out, and found three more that was around the hole that I dug, and they was all dead. 
So I know that maybe I'm the voice of reason and maybe I'm Mr. Engineering and Mr. Mechanic and Mr. Fix-It, good old Sid, but I've seen some weird things in my day. And granted, Mr. Jellyman does cap the lot, but I'll say this. I think we're all going to see weirder things before this is over. And I want you to know that I'm in it with all of you. I mean, you guys have been there for me, nursed me back to health multiple times, and she gestures to her side that's a little mangled. You know, growing up and traveling the world with your father is great, but when you never really settle down and plant roots anywhere, it gets a little lonely, really only having your father that you're close to. So it's nice to have a group of friends again, even though we keep getting ourselves into danger, but... Maybe we can do something nice after all this is settled, like nice vacation away from certain doom. You you want to go to the beach? Yeah, the beach is beautiful. So that's where that's where the conversation goes for the rest of the evening. There's a lot of um, give and take back and forth. After a little bit of time, John uh, gets his himself over to the room, puts his stuff away, comes back a few minutes later. He's got another book out, and he's he's. this is one he picked up late in Germany, really hasn't been through the whole thing. He's kind of skimming and looking for Awas and Schachtal and all these little names that have buzzed in and been around everyone. And uh, unless anybody else has... Uh, Aveline, you're getting... You make, you make a phone call. You get mm-hmm. um, Gustav, Venice Gustav, already starting to you know, make contacts for at police stations to see if there's any charges or if there's ever been a misdemeanor or anything with the name Langford, Matthew, whatever, in the last several years. So it's these things, though, because it's not computer-based, it's all paper, it takes some time, but you're doing it yep. in a much more efficient and surreptitious way. So that's all, the wheels are already starting to chug. Everyone, now, because of the situation that occurred... Are we beginning to feel that, for safety's sake, we should be doing watches? We should be using um, somebody alert and awake. Not saying that it's absolutely necessary, but if that's the feeling that everybody has, this might be a time to quickly discuss that, and then let me know if, if the decision is yay or nay. I personally think it's a really good idea. Catherine would volunteer herself to go first. Well, we were set upon today. Right. You know, seemingly out of nowhere. So that certainly seems like that could happen here in our room just Mm. as easily as it could along one of the canals. Um, I appreciate your offer, uh, Catherine. I have have some studying to do. I'm going to be up for a while. So I would be uh, I'd be happy to take the first watch, so to speak. I'll be helping Faye get some rest and I wouldn't mind an hour or two of sleep. I'll take the next one. I'll wake you. All right, and then anybody else grabbing a couple hours? Are we keeping Faye in the rotation or letting her sleep for the night? No, I think we should let Faye sleep for the night. Definitely. Let her sleep. I'll, okay. I'll take no. it. Aveline would, Aveline would definitely take the next available one. I mean, if John hadn't taken the first one, she would have because right, she so doesn't think she's going to sleep. Right now it's John, so. Catherine, Aveline, and Sid. You, you okay taking a dog's watch at the end of the shift? Yeah, that's fine. All right, so just real quick. The night goes by uneventful. This is, it's nothing here. Matter of fact, um, between the pain meds that Catherine administered and a little bit of the, and the, and the whiskey that everybody gave Faye, 
she's out like yeah calm no no crying out no bad dreams and the next day arrives everyone sleeps in a little bit later uh we'll assume that probably by 9 30 10 a.m uh you've all started to wake up you're dressed and gathered is what's the plan for today is it to do any other research john a matter of fact let's start with this the phone rings right around 9 15 9 30 which brings you you know fully awake more and you know you're dressed and you just got done with you know, cleaning up your face and shaving or whatever. Oh no, that's right. You're growing out at this point. I'm growing out my beard. That's right. We're for, doing the uh, we're doing for the grow disguise's sake. Yeah, I forgot. So the uh, but the phone does ring. But I do uh, I do um, I, I will note that I, I actually do take a bath this morning, which everybody else would note that uh, that John was starting to get a little on the ripe side. Sure. <laughs> Every once in a while, it's good to hit the old skin with a little bit of soap and water. Uh, <laughs> So, I didn't have to bust out the pamphlets. <laughs> Hygiene in the field. Um, <laughs> so, Spice. They are real. So, Sid, you're actually the one closer to the phone when it rings. John's just getting finished up in the room. Uh, do you want to answer it? Yeah, I'll answer the phone. Buongiorno, Professor Scully? Um No, this is uh, Clive Rutland. Can I help you? Oh, see, si, see. Si. Um, my name is uh, Giuseppe Bucati. Mr. Scully left this number for me to, um, uh, como se dice, to call back. Okay, uh, your, your last name was again? Bucati. Bucati. Hmm. And is there a number he can reach you at, Mr. Bucati? Si, si. Um, he gives you the reverse number. When, when, he, when he returns, I will, uh, I will give him a message and I'll have him call you back. Well, very well. Uh, thank you. Ciao, ciao. Okay, I wait for John to wake up, and then I give him I give him the message and the number. Yeah, he's just coming out of the bathroom. He's been awake. Uh, the girls are moving. You can hear them moving around next door. Uh, John, the call was there. Bukati had just called. Sid gives you the message. Okay, good, good, good. I feel good. I feel fresh. It's a new day, Sid. <laughs> it smells much better. Not quite as ripe. Time for a new hat. I'm, I'm sorry, what? I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing. Sorry, I was speaking under my breath. <laughs> just mumbling to myself just mumbling um I, I i go ahead and make my way over to the phone and return uh return the call to mr bucati two three rings picks up buongiorno mr bucati good morning buongiorno it's uh it's john schooley ah professor john good morning how are you i i am doing well um i wanted to touch bases with you as soon as i had the chance um i i i, I guess Thank you is in order. We were visited last night by uh, by a gentleman, uh, and uh, I just wanted to make sure that uh, that uh, you were aware of the gentleman. Everything was on the up and up, and I I describe. I'm sorry, I'm not recalling the gentleman's name right now, That's but fine. I would have recalled this. So I, I I give the gentleman's name, and I I mention his uh, his master's name, who had left us uh, information for us to meet with him tonight. This I assume is all on the up and up. Uh, John. This would not have been the way I want to do this, huh? I would not have um, wanted to p uh, put you into this man's hands. He is, um, he will get what you need, and he probably only one who can, but there, he will have a price, uh, John. He is going to... He's, His price is money? He's, no, he's a crafty. He's, uh, um, he's a very smart man, and been around uh, for a bit his family is very old in venice very old 
and uh, runs many things that if you, you need and no one else can get. You know the expression, uh, uh, all roads lead to Rome. In the Venice we say, all the paths lead to the Palazzo di Giovanni. Whatever it is, uh, if uh, nobody else in the city can get it, this is the man that you... This is where you finally have to end up. Uh, like a, in front of Jesus. How huh? you, you have nothing else to lose. This is a who you see. And he says a yes or no. And uh, he's giving you an audience. Um, I, I'm sorry it took so long, but I tried every other contact I had and no one knew where the location of the book was. I'm, I'm sure you did your best book, Mr. McCarty. And this is, this is wonderful. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but... Uh, if this gentleman can help us, um, is there any advice that you can give me um, as far as when we meet with him? Things we should avoid saying or bringing up or... Uh... Please, um, uh, I have uh, never been in his presence. I have only sent people his away. Uh, he is somewhat reclusive. But um, every person that I speak to says... The same thing about Arturo. It is about respect. It is about knowing and showing the proper respect. Both he gives and he ex expects it to be returned. Huh? Just, the, he is old school that way, John. He does things the old-fashioned way. I think I understand what you're saying. You say this price may not be a price of money. No, he does not need uh, the, the, the lira. He's not. He is a very well off. Most of the time, he wants um, favor, uh, something in return. It does. It, I don't know what he's going to ask of you, John. Well, we'll just be on our guard. And again, thank you, Mister Bucardi. I'll uh, I'll certainly keep you apprised of the situation and uh, whatever resolution may come from this. John, please call on me when you get back, huh? I will. Our meeting is late tonight. Uh, <laughs> 10 o'clock. This is uh, typical for him. Yeah. Would you like me to call when we get back uh, tonight? Just uh, just to leave a message, please. Um, I will. Include the word um, a bambino, so I know that you left me the message, huh? I will do that, Mr. Bugatti. You'd be well. And the you, John. And he disconnects the phone. Well, that's disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are conversations I don't like having. <laughs> Tad. Can you give me a call and let me know that you are still in the land of the living, please? <laughs> Somebody uh, says yeah. check in on us. <laughs> I thought that was a lovely conversation. I thought he was jovial and seems like this guy's a real stand-up dude. I like Mr. Bacotti. Code phrase, I am not dead. <laughs> Code <laughs> phrase. He beat the hell out of my bambino. <laughs> oh my! Whipped my tentacle. Well, he said bambino. He's okay. <laughs> All right. So you got the morning uh, and the bit of you know the afternoon. It's like I said. It's about ten a.m. after the phone call. And uh, John, you alert everyone, I guess, to what the conversation was. Absolutely. Okay, so we uh, we have the day. Anybody have anything they want to do? We'll kind of tie that up real quick if there's any place you want to go. Aveline, you start receiving a phone call here and there telling you that individuals have been activated. Other people are looking into it. Friends are starting to trade favors for some of this information. 
they tell you, you know, you realize, like always, could take days, could take hours, could take weeks. We just, it's all going to depend on how active this guy is, but we will find him. Okay, at this point, Aveline would have probably asked Catherine a couple questions, definitive markings he had or what his regiment was in the army, blah, 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 just trying to get a sense of his personality and what how, what kind of cover story Aveline would come up with for her agent or herself should she come face-to-face with this person so he do- she doesn't startle him. Like, oh, I'm the vigilante girl who's with your old love, old flame, and we've been attacked by monsters. Nice to meet you. I, I think she would want to know what wouldn't set him off, basically. Okay. Well, Catherine, you know his regiment. Why don't you give her that, and then we'll assume the rest of the details you fill in. Mm-hmm. He was a lieutenant in the Northumbrian Fusiliers. Fifth, Divi- a- fifth division of the Northumbrian fifth division. Fusiliers. Yep. See, I knew that. I'm like, it's fifth, but do I say that? Yes. Yes. Fifth division of Northumbrian Fusiliers. He was a lieutenant. What other information you want? And you go ahead and give that to her, whatever. Yeah, like his mom's his mom's name is Margaret. If you need other information to identify him. You go ahead and pass that stuff. Information on. like that. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else have anything? John, you said you were going back to your room for a little bit. Is that what you said? I just ask everybody if it's okay. Um, I, I think I'm going to stay here at the room and just kind of, uh, I, I, I have this big stack of books that I drop down on the desk in the, in the, the common room and say, I, I'm going to keep myself busy right here if everybody's all right with that. Okay. Faye and Don't Sid, get... anything? Faye really wants to go talk to Lucinda again, especially hearing all of the information mm-hmm. that she heard from her father. Even though her father said, don't talk to her again. Right. Really, why at least, would we, like, why would we not? You know, yeah, why are we not? Yeah, it's to like, mm, okay. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, I've grown up my whole life. He's told me not to do something and then I just turn right around and do it anyway. So. Yeah, of course. He's got to expect it at this point. So I would really love to go and talk to Lucinda again. So you're basically being a daughter. Please don't do that. Yeah, and you're going to do what the hell you want. Okay, good. That's fabulous. Who is going to accompany our lovely Faye? Oh, there's Sid, who normally doesn't like to uh, get involved in the emotional stuff. But we're going to take a a joint with her, a jaunt over to talk to her dad's uh, ex-sex ritual lover. Uh, that's good. And Aveline, what are you ha- what are you thinking of doing? I mean, stay with the professor, stay by the phone. Okay. I yep. guess right now coordinating is probably a good thing for you to be doing. Yeah. All right. And Catherine mm-hmm. is gonna go and look after little Faye and punch Lucinda right in the nose. So in this yeah. case, Sid yeah. is actually going to look after Catherine. <laughs> so so <laughs> to make sure Catherine doesn't get herself arrested. Right. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Catherine's rather emotional from last night. Like, you know, she's not a violent woman, but... Who's not her... a violent woman? Catherine. Catherine who? Certainly not, not Catherine Ross. <laughs> yeah. Catherine Elizabeth Ross. She's not a violent woman. She's just driven to these points. She's not you a violent woman. shot a man in the chest with a shotgun. No, no. Multiple times. Gunner Langford? <laughs> I mean... Good Catherine, I'm going to toes off and feed them back to you, Ross. <laughs> I am your god, Catherine Ross. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That was one of my finest, most embarrassing moments. Yeah. You're going to refer to me as God, Carl. I mean, I'm not sure those are the words of a healer. Gandhi. You've heard of the brown shirts, Carl's with the brown pants. <laughs> Gandhi was Catherine, not someone you who might ever get said. shot, but I'll fix you up, Langford. <laughs> exactly. All right. No. Well, there we go. So It's honest, well, honest. 
honestly, Catherine wants to go to learn more about this Lucinda bitch mm. because, you know, AWAS and the whole, like, they were in the same temple that, like, Rosie Dith Kelly and Aleister Crowley were in. That's bad. Okay. All right. I so... gotta go. Well, I have an idea. I mean, do you think that she's going to tell the three of us that information? Or do you think that she'll tell just me that information? I'm not saying that you guys can't come, but... You're right. We'll I stay mean, in the hall. They can stay in the hall. Absolutely. Yeah, that might be the best. And then that way, if, like, you know, you hear me yell, then you can come in, yeah. guns a-blazing. Oh, we're packing. So, so basically, that Faye's just... changed, but Faye hasn't changed. I need to go alone. I need to be alone. See, no, this is no, this is what I like to call character development because it's like I'm going alone. Alone. It's like I'm going alone. However, you guys are right outside, and then um, (laughs) Faye, like before she goes, you know, she decides to wear a dress instead of pants, as I feel like with the with like the scars and everything healing, I feel like pants would be a little bit too uncomfortable right now. So, you know, she tries to look as nice as she can. Um, and she brings her handbag and she puts her gun in her handbag, you know, tucked mm. as deep as she can. So she has, just in case something goes a little south. Okay. Um, right. Aveline? Yes. I'm... Do you have a holster for a shotgun that I could wear under a long coat? No? Um, no. <laughs> That no? type of holster does not exist, darling. Well, oh, there's. I don't know these things. You, you, you're, you're much nicer dressed than I am. Usually, like a, a for a shotgun, you know, you put your hand through the pocket and and hold the shotgun inside, like the long coat or duster type of thing. Right. Oh. You know, but but you're holding the gun. I mean, I could get you. I could get you a little angle holster for a small pistol. I could get you a thigh holster for a knife. Those are I'll, things I can do. I'll keep my handgun in the bag. In the Okay, thank you. I didn't know that this holster didn't exist that I'm imagining. Someone work on that. All right, so we have our objective set for next time. Um, we are about to hear more information about Lucinda Fangini. We also have a big meeting scheduled with Arturo Giovanni and the Giovanni family at their palazzo. Uh, a lot of things are going to be coming up, a lot of interesting stuff happening, so... We want to sign this one off and we'll be in touch. We'll see everybody again in about a week. Players, thank you very much. It was some amazing role playing in that version. All of it coming from you guys. You did an amazing job. So thank you very much. And from all of us here at the Bardic College is Cthulhu in Cairo. We just want to say good night. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.